give us an opportunity to make you develop our own opinion, you know? I mean, how dare we? How dare we develop <laughs> our own opinions? So, hello, welcome to Femme on Film. I'm your host, Ria, and every episode I ask a guest to join me to discuss films that are female-led, created by women, are often made for women, and are usually unfairly maligned or dismissed as frivolous. Often these films are misunderstood or critically ravaged, but the main thing is they're usually aimed at women or they're feminist or way ahead of their time. And so today I'm very excited. So I have the lovely Tonya Todd, who is an author, actress, podcaster, I don't know, everything? Is there anything that you don't do? I don't sing. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So how are you? I'm wonderful and I'm really excited to be on this show. I was a fan of yours before you even had a show. Oh, thank you. Well, I was a fan of yours too. So it's a, it's a meeting of minds. Yes. And it's funny, <laughs> it's the Comics in Motion boys who brought us together. Yeah, I know, isn't it? Like, what a... Because I had been listening to you, so you did the... Um, so you've done What If on Comics in Motion, haven't you? And, or was it Loki? Sorry, I think it was Loki. I did. That's where, oh, yeah. yeah, I did Loki. We were we talked about doing What If, but we didn't do that. Yeah, so, yeah, so I've listened to all your Loki episodes, although I listened to them sort of ages after the episodes came out because I'm constantly behind on watching anything current. Um so yeah, so that's when I think I first, no, Mike, I think, Mike's genuine chit-chat was probably when I first. That was the first thing I did is yeah. just talking to him about my career that turned into a very long conversation on comic books and superhero movies and Star Wars, which, you know, once we realized, all right, we're both big nerds. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great episode, actually. I should link to it in the show notes because that's a really fun episode that you did with Mike. I do like that it it does just turn into literally you just chatting about geeky things. So oh, not, not I just you. found like a real friend. He is yeah. not. He's not a host. He's a friend already. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Well, speaking of films, as you were talking about uh, just then, so you've chosen today's film. Uh, we are going to be talking about Greece too, which I believe is a film very close to your heart. It is. It's the film that introduced me to Michelle Pfeiffer. She's oh. my absolute favorite actress, and. Rewatching this, I realized there are a lot of elements to this film that are still part of my personality. And I have to wonder, is it because I saw it at a young age and, mm. and I just really, you know, clung to these ideals or were they already inside of me? And I liked the film because that's how I feel. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually reflected back at you on screen. Right. Uh, well, I'm really excited to talk to talk about it because well, I'm going to do a synopsis of the film, then I think I'll get into what were our first memories of the film when we first watched it. Because until you suggested the film, I hadn't watched it for years. I'll get into that. So this is my synopsis of the film. Okay. <laughs> so I watched it the other day in the bath, trying to ease my chest infection, which is why I've got this lovely husky voice and muttly laugh. Um, so set two years after the antics of Sandy and Danny, I couldn't remember the names. I had to look it up. We're back at Rydale High and we've got a new set of T-Birds and Pink Ladies. The Pink Ladies are led by Stephanie, 
She is, I guess, what you would call sort of sassy. She's like really trying to discover herself. She's basically outgrown this whole pink lady T-bird relationship stuff that's going on. The new leader of the T-bird is Johnny. He is a character. He is not what I would suggest a particularly nice fella. <laughs> um, he's very much a symptom of the patriarchy. Um, and somebody comes in, Michael, he comes in to ride out high. He's Sandy's cousin from England. Uh, he comes in, he's the new guy. He sees Stephanie and immediately falls in love. But obviously they can't be together because he's not a cool T-bird. Um, and there's some <laughs> weird rules around who can shag who. Uh, but also Stephanie, you know, she's a woman who's following her own heart. She's just not going to settle for some cute new guy that comes in with a British accent. So there's songs, there's shenanigans, there's riding on bikes, there's weird bowling alley scenes. But basically we get to the end and Stephanie and Michael fall in love. How's that? <laughs> well done. <laughs> There's a lot else that happens in the middle, which, I mean, this film happens. It just sort of happens to you, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> I was reading some of the trivia today, just in preparation for our show, and it turns out the script wasn't actually ready when they began filming. Oh, wow. So really? They were having to just piece. Yeah, and I know it happens sometimes where you're supposed to start and you don't even have a finished script and it must be an absolute nightmare for the director to have to like, this is your opportunity. This is your go time, but we can't even give you the blueprint, the finished That's blueprint mad. for how this is going to work. So considering that, I thought she did a pretty nice job. Yeah. And imagine not having it like the songs finalized. How are you even going to start putting the film together? That's crazy. I do not know. Oh, I just wow. wouldn't do it. I would not. I'm I'm someone who needs to be prepared like you know I need my mm. lists and my schedules and I would rather walk away from a bad opportunity than be you know forced into it yeah absolutely and and just you know with a director as well it's so visible that's really putting yourself on the line isn't it but I'm sure you know at the time this was probably a very rare opportunity mm. who knows what it was like then maybe if she passed on it she was never going to get another chance again but I don't think she ever directed anything else because you know she was so criticized for this movie which well let's get into the film shall we so what's what are your memories of first seeing Grease 2? So I've always had a thing for British guys <laughs> I blame Robin Hood Brian Bedford's voice just uh I just fell in love with that cadence and with that suave, you know, it's just, oh, he's so dreamy. So you bring <laughs> in Michael Carrington and he has the voice, you know, he, they're all different types of British accents, but he has one of the nicer ones mm. and he's so handsome and he he's has those so luscious cute. lips, <laughs> you know, and he's so sweet. Mm. And then Stephanie Zanoni. Number one, she's gorgeous. She's the leader of this group. But if you just watch all the scenes, she's she's different from them. She's mm. set apart. And you can see that she, it's, yeah, she's outgrowing the whole T-Bird and Pink Lady thing, but they're still her friends. She still yes. cares about them. There's still a level of status involved with being part of the group. 
but she still wants to be herself. And I loved that she was choosing for herself while still being this gorgeous person, you know, and she was very brave to me because when you're in a social situation like that, especially in high school, you might just go along with the crowd to not be ostracized and not be put out. And she didn't go that route. She decided to do what was best for her and not to worry about how her friends treated her and what she lost in the process. Yeah, absolutely. I think, because I just want to start talking about it. So I'll say that my memories of the film are, like, I think I must have been sort of 12-ish. Um, and I had a friend who was absolutely obsessed with Grease 2. Not, not Grease, not the first one, Grease 2. And we would have sleepovers and she would make us watch it all the time. Now, I have no memories of the film apart from motorbikes, the Shell Pfeiffer and a cute guy. Um, so watching it again as an adult, however, however many years later, absolutely like I, I couldn't believe I was allowed to watch this film <laughs> because it's all sex it's all sex. <laughs> every good of it is sex I couldn't get over how much it is all of it sex, however which is the UK version true. was censored and they didn't put all the sex in oh it. really yeah. I didn't know that because she had it on VHS I presume recorded from the TV or or maybe not but um so they didn't have the reproduction song and they didn't uh, there are some other things they didn't have like I think they didn't have pieces of the bowling alley stuff I think they're really a kiss or something I don't remember all the things that weren't there but yeah but I, mean, I saw the full version <laughs> <laughs> prudish Brits over here but I, I couldn't get over it I mean I actually loved that it was all about sex so I thought teenagers they're all just randy aren't they let's be honest especially teenage boys <laughs> and I don't you know I don't want to paint them all with the, with the same brush but they all they all want to get their, their dicks it away. It felt right? accurate. Yeah, exactly. Even in the sense that everyone's pretending like they're not a virgin, but they all really were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I absolutely love that they were all just horny teenagers just throughout the whole film and not realizing it going into it. Um, that it was, I was just like, I, everything I was, was going to be an innuendo. <laughs> yeah, about 20 minutes in, I was like, just, and I was by myself, there's nobody to talk to, but I was basically looking <laughs> around no being like, it's all sex. <laughs> It's, they're all just obsessed with sex. Um, so, yeah, that's just like, I absolutely, I love that aspect of it. The film overall, I didn't think was particularly good. It's complete and utter mess. I don't know what on earth is going with the, with the plot. It's just confusing and nonsensical, but there's so much messaging in it that I absolutely loved, which I did not take away as a 12-year-old. As I said, I, I can't remember it. Unlike you, it's had a huge influence on you. Um, but yeah, I just loved Stephanie. I thought she was, what a woman to be seeing in a film like this, especially compared to Sandy in the first one, because I don't like exactly. the first Grease, because I think it's absolutely ridiculous that she has to change herself for him. And I think he's a bit of a loser. I don't think he's a very nice person. Um, right, because he is more concerned with what his friends think. Exactly. And he doesn't want to be with her if it means that he's going to lose his status with his friends. Yeah. Whereas Stephanie is like, I am not going to settle for anything or anybody, regardless of how other people treat me. And just in general, I think Michelle Pfeiffer brings such a hunger to the role, not only in like the romantic relationships, but you can tell there's like something she wants to do with her life. And the scene when she's working at the at the garage um, right. and everything, you can see like she's just 
she's just there to get money she obviously wants to go and do some she wants to get stuff done it's just not it for her she she has dreams beyond being the leader of the pink ladies yeah absolutely um so I guess I, I I did my mini review there. As you can tell, I'm just actually quite excited to to talk about it. So, do you have any memories of when you first watched it? If there was any sort of backlash against it or anything like that, or were you just enjoying it and oblivious? No, I, I didn't. I don't think I was even aware of movie reviews and things like that. It's not something that I paid attention to at that point. Mm. It was just. She was so compelling to me. And then, you know, she's paired with my particular type, you know? (laughs) So I just wanted to be her. And I loved her attitude of, I'm no one's trophy and I will settle for no one. Mm. And there's more to life than being somebody's chick. Yes. The whole plot is not revolved around her getting to be with somebody. She is okay if she's not with somebody. Yeah. I mean, I know that's exactly one of the things she, she basically says, doesn't she, with Johnny. He's trying to get back with her. Instead, he he gets off with one, another one of the pink ladies. And she's just like, yeah, fine. Doesn't bother me. And he's the one who's obsessed with trying to get her back and right. being like, this is a status thing. This is, you know, he's very selfish about it. It's all about him. And she's just like, you, you Including can. being with the friend oh, and then being God. like, Oh, here's my kiss. Oh, I want a kiss from you too. Like, excuse me? You've moved on. So rude. He is so rude. Um, there's a great moment, I guess we're just talking about it now, where um she finally, I can't remember what the friend's called, all of the names Paulette. are just dropping up. Thank you, Paulette. Paulette finally yeah, turns around. Yeah. And it's just and like she just starts smacking yeah. him around saying, I am tired of being pushed around by you. And she's like, I'm a catch. And she is like, she's completely right. valid as her own person. She's not a backup for Stephanie. They're different people. No. I'm the and, best you're ever going to get is what she says to him. Yeah. And I thought that was great as well, because I feel like in films that are often like this, the other woman would be, so she would be hating Stephanie. There'd be like a cat fight right. between her and Stephanie. No, um, she was completely supportive of her, yeah. but she was always angling. I think it's best that you two break up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's- your breakup should stay permanent but she was never she was never lying about why and she was not trying to stage things or hurt anybody in the process exactly yeah and that's one of the things that really came through in the film for me apart from boys being stupid and wanting to fight each other overall you know you touched upon it all the women were really supportive of each other um you know we've got Frenchie being really supportive um to Michael I actually liked her better in this yeah than, much better in Greece yeah and I thought they knew what to do with her better in this film than they did in Greece so she she's she owns who she is like she's back at high school to get her diploma right. and is learning about science because she wants to open her own beauty salon where she's got less agency I think in the first film right she's just there I think all the women do in the first film they have less agency mm. like even mm. the principal she's like I'm in charge here and I'm going to say what is happening you will follow my rules. Mm. Man, this is a it, feminist film, isn't it? It is. <laughs> um, so, yes. Yeah, so and, the- and even though they tried to flip the story and they tried to make it, well, Sandy gave up everything that was herself to be with a boy. Now Michael does it, but he didn't. He didn't give up his other side. He remains the same smart, wonderful guy. He just adds something because it was important to him to be with her. Absolutely. She said this is what she wants. 
She didn't tell him to change. She didn't say, if you want to be with me, you have to do these things. She just said, this is not what I want. This is what I want. And he said to himself, like, okay, well, I'm going to add that to who I am. Yeah, exactly. So one of the biggest criticisms is that it's, the, the plot isn't as strong as the predecessor's plot or it's just a rehash of the first film. And I actually fundamentally disagree with, disagree with that for the exact point that you're saying that he... There are key differences. Yeah, and she at no point asks him to change or tells him to do something and then he'll get with her, which is very different to Greece, to the first film. He goes off and does it himself. He actually ends up enjoying the changes right. that he's making. And he life. ends up being better at it than all the other guys. In exactly. <laughs> Whereas, you know, all Sandy has to do is get in some skin tight clothes and smoke a cigarette. Like she doesn't. Right. And get her ears pierced. Yeah, exactly. And um, pine. Oh. <laughs> you know. And that's the other thing. There is, there's one song in this, in, in Greece too, where it is, um, about Stephanie pining for the cool rider. Um, right. Which She's like, this is my type. Yeah. And if I have to wait forever, then I'll wait forever. But that's the other thing. The song itself has agency, whereas Sandy's right. songs are all about, um, oh my God, why can't I remember his name? Danny. Danny. God. Oh God, people <laughs> who love Greece will be so angry at me. Um, <laughs> you know, it's all about, she's pining for him and she's like longing for him and him specifically. And right. even with Cool Rider and Stephanie, even though it is also clearly about sex. I mean, she basically makes love to that ladder that she climbs up. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it is also, it feels like it's about more than a man. It feels like it's about her life in general. I want more and I'm not going to settle for anything less. Yes, exactly. And I, th- and I just think that's where some of the criticisms of it being a recycling, you know, recycling the first film doesn't work. And I know people don't think the songs are as catchy. And, and I will agree that the you know, I'll agree with messier. that. I think that the songs and the dance numbers were much better in Greece. Yes. I mean, they had more time to develop, too, didn't it? Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the song um, in the bomb shelter is absolutely atrocious. Oh, yeah. making a great song. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> but I mean, I'm assuming that you feel the same. That sort of those. I f- I just feel like those again. And we talked about this in chasing the pussycats. The criticism that it's a rehash of of the first film are lazy, and I think it's just lazy. Criticism. I think that's probably what they intended to do. I think you know when they sparked the idea, the conception of this sequel they thought let's rehash but we'll flip it we'll be really edgy and we'll flip it but then it took on a life of its own now that might be because they never had a finished script and the director said well we have an opportunity here to make it something better than what you guys are trying to do but without the time to really develop all of the elements including the songs (laughs) (laughs) the song she focused on the songs for a bit so the songs are I mean, so we've got the main song at the beginning about them all going back to school, which actually I really enjoyed. I thought it was pretty fun. That's because I think that's the four tops. Oh, is it? That'd be why then. Um, And then basically the the main song that's just stuck in my head is Cool Rider. So I'm just looking at the song list now. The main song, Girl for All Seasons, from the talent show at the end. Um... So that song, I didn't really love when I watched the movie, but after I bought the soundtrack and you could actually hear all the elements, Mm. I enjoyed it more once I owned the soundtrack. It's like, oh, this is actually really clever because they're putting in 
all these elements of the seasons, but you don't really get that in the movie because it's so secondary. Yeah, and the whole talent show is a weird thing that happens. I don't, I could <laughs> not understand. So they talk about the talent show all the way through the film, but the talent show isn't the like pinnacle there's ending no of the film. There's no big talent show scene. It's no, just there's a no tiny big piece. talent show scene. And then they have like the luau. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> right. Shouldn't it be the talent show or the luau? Which one is it? Um, yes. And then obviously we get the, the big song at the end, but there's the strange, I guess, duet. It's just Stephanie and Michael, isn't it? So it's just those two singing. Um, Love will turn back the hands of time. And I, when I was watching it, I was thinking, this is the song that people hate. This is why people don't like the soundtrack. (laughs) Because it's not, you're the one that I want. Yeah. It just does not have that that catchy fun. You know, you don't see yourself singing that with somebody. It's not something you want to pick up for karaoke. Yeah, exactly. So do you feel the same or are you like, that's the most amazing ballad I've ever heard? It's not the most amazing, amazing (laughs) ballad I've ever heard. Do I love it now? Sure. That doesn't mean I think it's great. (laughs) Something can bring you pleasure, even though it's not wonderful. Mm. And for me, it's just because I love this movie now it brings me pleasure to hear it. And, it, you know, this brings me back to the introduction of Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm. But the thing is, I see all these elements of my personality in this film and little pieces that I've stolen, like, I've, you know, I'm an Anglophile. Again, that wasn't started from this, but it fed into it. The, the actor who plays Michael Carrington his name is Maxwell Caulfield. Yes. Well, I have a character in my first manuscript named London Caldwell, Caldwell, which is like a mashup of his Maxwell and Caldfield names. And he's not even from London. He's an American. But I know <laughs> that Greece too even influenced this person's name, you know? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. What other um, what other influences did it have? What parts of it do you think of and are now part of your personality or were and it just helped bring them out? I was never really into pink, but I was willing to wear it on the inside of a leather jacket. <laughs> I was I was a very big tomboy, so it's like the way that she doesn't need them to define herself the way that she was so independent. She had a job, she had goals and she was okay with being smart. Mm. Like she wanted to be smart. It wasn't the most important thing because she really just wanted to get out of there and move on with her life. But she put effort into getting better grades. She she went ahead and accepted Michael's help with tutoring. And during that scene, when I rewatched it, I had this moment where I was just like, oh, there it is. When he corrected her grammar, it's like, oh, he said to whom? <laughs> that is a big thing for me. <laughs> Good grammar is very sexy to me. I agree. I totally and I think that, that this movie very much influenced that. I, I feel like he's the reason I have always remembered whom instead of who. <laughs> oh, brilliant. There's, there's, like, I, really, I just really love that. I love I just feel like the more I get to know you now, the more there's going to be little bits. I'm going to be like, oh, I recognize that from Stephanie. Right. Yeah. Well, the red lips. Red lips. My love of red lipstick. And you know what? People made fun of me for my big lips. She was the really? first person I, I ever saw where it's like, wow, she makes 
big lips look beautiful and luscious and mm. it's something to be celebrated. It's not something to try to hide. Oh God, that's so amazing to see that and feel seen. I wasn't sure where that sentence was going. Um, I, I knew that I was going to say seen, Not that seen I would even, you know, claim that I have anything in common with Michelle Pfeiffer, but we do both have very large lips. There you go. I, I mean, take that. I mean, she, I think she's amazing in this film. I think she brings so much. You can tell that she is like a new young actress. Right. You can tell that but, she's special and yeah. maybe a little too special for this film. Absolutely. There's there's so many layers, I think, that she brings that were not there in the character at all. Right. Um, and now hearing about how it was quite rushed through, I, I understand why. And I think she just, you know, obviously she's absolutely exquisite to look at she's so beautiful in this film but it wasn't just her face it was the way she moved exactly yeah this this is something the director said in casting like there was just something about her there were lots of more well-known people that were considered but there was something about her and it's I think they say in up close and personal she eats the camera like (laughs) (laughs) the camera just wants to go for her (laughs) And she's such a lovely counterpart to Sandy, you know, who's who's either, you know, happy and jolly or mooning over a, over a man. And there's sort of like a sullenness to Michelle Pfeiffer that, that yeah, she brings well, to definitely, the Definitely. I yeah. can identify with that. <laughs> yeah. I like, actually wonder if that... Um, jumps to the worst possible conclusion. He must be dead. I'm never going to see him again. They just said he's not down there. He's dead. I'm never going to see him. And and I'm going to be so sad about never seeing him again that I'm going to burst into song (laughs) during our performance and I will never be happy again. I know the drama, the absolute drama of that whole moment of him doing the jump, her thinking that he's dead. They've been on like two dates where she's never seen his face. Haven't even exchanged names. Yep. (laughs) So good. So, but also, I mean, I know that they do all look like they're in their 20s playing teenagers, but classic teenager just being like, this is it. This is right. the end of my life. I will never it's be the happy most again. important thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. She did think she finally found someone who matched this imaginary perfection that she conceived that she would never settle for less than this. She finds him, <laughs> hasn't had a chance to get, you know, she wanted to know more, but they yeah. kept getting interrupted. By the fairy. And now he's gone. <laughs> uh, Forever. I mean, and that's why you're the actress, because that was beautiful. And then you've just got me laughing over the top of it. <laughs> see, people can't see how you delivered that. Um, yeah, just the random bike gangs as well was very, very strange. Yeah, it didn't make any sense, because I'm like, isn't that the same guy from Greece? Right. So why is he fighting teenagers? Like... <laughs> I don't get that. confusing. (laughs) Wouldn't this film have been so much better if it had just been about the female friendships of the pink ladies and those dynamics with the fact they can only be the T-birds and, you know, and so they all seem pretty cool with that, that they're sort of like mixing partners and stuff like that, which I think is very modern. I'm like, that's, you know, for the time this film came out, it's quite unusual, I think. Um, yes. And there it, is growth with multiple characters. Ooh. It's not just the two leads. Johnny, in the end, is like, you know what? I love how you are, and I'm going to let you be you and not try to control you all the time. And I'll accept this guy in and let her go. Like, he did find growth. 
and the girls at the beginning, they're like, what do you mean you're tired of being someone's chick? Like, are you okay? <laughs> but by the end, they're supporting her. And the one is saying, you know, we don't have to have sex. It's okay if we just like each other. Yeah, yeah. That right there was a glossed over moment that in, in a movie that old, they didn't talk about things like that. It's, oh no, you just have to eventually give in to him. Yeah, and there's so much effort into put into it's Goose, isn't it? Who keeps on trying to make um, Al Demucci? Can't I can't remember any of their names? It's so terrible. Um, and I just I love that you're just like, come on, Rhea, is this character? <laughs> well, I've been watching this movie <laughs> when I um I, I reviewed the. The blog post that I did on this, but you know, I realized I've already done my review of this movie on why <laughs> why the storyline is better than Greece, and I don't disagree with a single thing that I wrote back then. I love that. The weird thing is just this is the why is this the post that more people read than anything else I've ever written? There, there's like the secret society of Greece two fans, and they're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> where were they when I discovered this movie <laughs> <laughs> but I do think so I, I you sent the link to the review or, or something or Tony did I, it must have been you actually um after we had an initial chat about it and um I like I completely agree with everything in the review and I think you hit on some important stuff in it about how modern this film is like it is apps you could release this film today obviously slightly differently but if even if you didn't if you released this film today maybe put a few people of color in the movie today, I mean, since yeah, i don't think absolutely. there's a single even brownish person oh, in the film. yeah i mean i mean but that, it was the 1960s they didn't have black people back then right oh my god did they not oh so they just what pop up in the 70s yeah i guess so <laughs> even though the people singing the, the beginning song are black <laughs> oh dear you know I do think that you would watch it today and think it reflects quite a lot of modern society in terms of the friendships in terms of you know some of the toxic masculinity uh that that we that we have to deal with every day and and women having to push back on that women having to find their place in the world I think you could with some updates drop this into you know 2021 and feel that it reflects that would be wow it's so modern and feminist like yeah well it was then but people didn't want to see that (laughs) and they didn't get it (laughs) they did not get it all they wanted to do was shit on it because it was modern and feminist and funny enough it was about a woman several women taking control of their lives or unlike Greece which is about everybody else controlling a woman and telling her what to do with their life so Rizzo's showed some agency but they that called her true. a bitch, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. But she and gets treated like shit and, of course, gets punished for having sex, which you know, right. is something we see all the time. Whereas everybody in this film wants to have sex and I don't think they're only going to get punished for having any of it. No. I think they're all just <laughs> going to be enjoying it. The song in the classroom, Reproduction, was wow. Yeah, <laughs> wow. not subtle at all, was it? <laughs> I like the teachers getting involved in the song what right is going on like I'm just going to be over here if you need me (laughs) (laughs) yeah even all the teachers are horny aren't they they're all up for it very much so and not even trying to hide it (laughs) but why should they be trying to hide it I think that is I think 
maybe I'm just horny but I do I, I keep on coming back to it that I do think that's really unusual and again I cannot believe I was watching this I'm sure I was like 12 or 13 and I'm sure my friend's parents weren't paying any attention to the fact that she was watching this all the time although as you said it was edited so that song wasn't in it but I just but think, there were so many innuendos oh, even I, if you don't have that song things are being said Oh, all the way through. Absolutely. And the looks that they're giving each other. I know. There's no other meaning behind those. No, not <laughs> at all. And all the lyrics are proper saucy. And um, I just think that that, to me, you know, is it because it was moving into the 70s, from the 60s to the 70s? But to me, that's incredibly unusual. And, it, it you know, lots of the narrative is about the men trying to force women to have sex. But actually all the women are pretty much up for it as well and interested in sex. And I do think that also has been missed by a lots, of, lots of the criticisms of the film. This, this is not really a good film. If, you know, I'm not going to sit here no, and say it's, it's not a film. It's not a good film, but it does have a great message. Exactly. And I think, you know... And there are from... some great characters in it, you know? Yes. There are great moments in it. But no, this does not deserve nominations for Oscars or anything (laughs) (laughs) but it also shouldn't be crapped all over just because it doesn't hit those types of standards there are tons of mediocre movies this one at least brought something to the table and brought something for women I think as well that that I mean obviously I'm going to see that because I always look for that in the media I consume but that is the thing that almost shocked me the most. I was not expecting to feel so empowered by this film mm-hmm. at all. Because as I said, I do not like the first Grease film. I'm not, I'm not really bothered by the songs. I know, sacrilege, but just nothing about it. Like Summer Loving comes on, I don't care. I just, it's just not for me. And this is not even like, Danny Zuko's hips. No, nothing. Wow. No. How do you I look know. at John Travolta dancing and not think that's... <laughs> That's something. It just it just doesn't. Even when he was overweight, the, when the man danced, he was just hot. I mean, I think I preferred him dancing in Pulp Fiction. Maybe that's you know a little bit of chub does it for me. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> you like a good chubby, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the little quote that goes out. <laughs> um, you know, I'm all about releasing the dongs, so let's show some D. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but uh, you know I I just I cannot I, I was expecting I knew it was it was the the gender swap and I knew I loved Michelle Pfeiffer because Michelle Pfeiffer but I was not expecting to come away from it feeling so empowered and 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 thinking so much about female friendships about female sexuality about female agency didn't turn the women against each other no. to make the story have tension it was no the tension was in these ideals that they're fighting against. Mm, mm. They don't have to turn against each other. They can have strong female friendships. They can support one another, even though they didn't always agree with each other. Yeah, and I loved that. I loved that they always didn't, you know, that there was actually- like, You can see the women friction. looking at her being like, I, I don't understand what's going on with you. But as soon as the men would turn on her, they're like, we're with her. Yeah, absolutely. And there were scenes that, you know, they, they would turn up at the diner or, or, 
some other random scene. And I thought, oh, this is going to be the scene where they all turn on Stephanie and she's left by herself. But instead, no, it's, you know, like they hooked their arms into each other's arms and, and walked off together and had chats. And that I just was not expecting at all, especially not a film made when it was made. Yeah. It's just a common trope that they, mm. they turn the girls against each other because, you know, women can't have strong friendships. They're always in competition with one another. Yeah, I mean, all my female friends, ugh, I hate them all secretly. I don't want any of them to succeed. <laughs> right. It's like the opposite. I'm like the most excited when they succeed. Who's like, oh my God, do better. Please, I would just be very happy if all of my female friends did better than me. I know some people quite rightly have like jealousy and envy and stuff around that, but I'm also like, just just go be amazing because you're my friends because I think you are amazing. You deserve great things. Yeah, exactly. So what are some of the other themes? I realised I've been talking about this a lot and this is your film. So what are some of the other themes that really stood out for you? Other than sex and friendship? (laughs) Let's see. And, you know, the whole independence thing. Mm. Because I I was noticing Frenchie is working toward her own goal. It wasn't a big part of the story, but she had agency in her character, unlike what she had previously. You see that the principal has agency. The men, at least the adult men, they were more like set pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the singing guys, like that, that was just comic relief. Nobody even knows any of their names. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. No idea of them. Isn't that unusual? I can't think of anything more than what we've already discussed because those are my main things, like the feminism, the female friendships, women having agency, the sex all over the place, like (laughs) (laughs) unapologetic sexual innuendos all over. I wonder what what the age range of the audience was for this film when it came out. So when Grease came out, that was for teenagers, right? late teens early 20s I guess and then this film comes out a few years later and it's still obviously the setting's still in high school surely the audience the inbuilt audience has grown up a bit and so do do you feel like the the how sexually charged it is 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 aimed at the right sort of audience age I don't know what age they were they had in mind like were they going for the same people a little mm. bit more grown up? Were they going for their children? Do you know how many years between films there were? No, I don't actually. What I was just thinking of is like, I find it, it's interesting. It's such a sort of about turn, isn't it? That this is so much more about sex than the first film. I mean, although, you know, in the first film, it's obvious uh, Danny wants to have sex with Oh my yeah, God, what's I mean, her face? <laughs> did she put up a Funny. fight? Mm-hmm. That, that's yeah, a line exactly. in the song? Come on. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the film, so Grease came out in 1978. So this came out in 1982. So there's four years in between. So Grease just, was originally a, a musical, A musical, right? yeah. So, so the when was the musical created? From 1971. But I just wonder if, as well as in, injecting more sex in it, your female audience is a bit more grown up, is probably going to enjoy sort of the the, the wink, wink, nudge, nudge element right. a bit more. So I was just I was just thinking, this just randomly popped into my head. Is it more, you know, 
it's obviously very conscious that they're making it like that but is it more like ah or their audience have grown up a little bit right their audience are a little probably a little bit more sexually mature they probably will find this a lot funnier and I was wondering as well if that's why it didn't hit because you know maybe the film's changed for the audience purposefully and I don't think that the sexuality of it was what bothered people Mm. Cause I haven't seen any of that criticism in anything mm. that I've read. I mean, I certainly wasn't aware of the reviews at the time, but when I wrote that article, I did do some research to see, does anybody else agree with me? And not, a, <laughs> not a whole lot of support online. <laughs> it's had a big Which is probably why people keep finding my article. Yeah. Well, that's finally it. somebody agrees. <laughs> Just the, the SEO, the search engines, like right. everybody's just like, you're just at the top. It's like, yes, somebody I hit a particular too. niche I didn't know was needed in the world until I decided to write that article. <laughs> the and, you know, I was really just trying to put work out there. I was just practicing having a blog. I, did, oh, wow. I didn't even have my own website. I mean, I had my own website, but I didn't have my name on it. I wasn't claiming it yet because... I was practicing. Yeah. It's let me know what I'm doing before I start telling people my name. Yeah. Oh, should we um, thank you for the revival of Greece too then? <laughs> well, I don't know if you saw it when we were posting about how we're going to discuss this. Lots of people I don't know were liking those <laughs> tweets. <laughs> and I found that there is a Greece too Twitter account. Is there? Yeah. It's not official. I think it's just a fan. Oh, wow. But you can bet that I am going to tag him when this comes out. Because oh, I yeah. Think that he will appreciate it. Yeah, because I mean, I, I was frantically Googling just being like, you know, why is it so hated? Why, you know, why is it going through this revival? And there's, you know, people who have put on, um, like, you know, how you like hire out cinemas and do and do screenings. I couldn't think of the word screenings. Gosh, that's not very good, is it? Um, His name is Craig Bishop, and he has a Grease 2 Twitter account. Yes, well, he can come and join us in the Grease 2 fan club. we have an audience of one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Is there anything else about the film that you think that I do want to say that I was able to meet Adrian Schmidt a few years ago. Who's Adrian Smith? That's Johnny Nagarelli. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you should just be hosting this. Why am I even talking? Why am I here? <laughs> it's your show. <laughs> but you know, you're not expected to know the name of every character and every actor in the film just because <laughs> you're discussing it. <laughs> there, there was an event at a bowling alley where they were showing the film, and he oh, made an amazing. appearance. I was like, "Well, I have to go." And he was really sweet. He was a really nice guy. Does he really embrace the film and how how it's sort of become well, more Well, I didn't popular? have a one-on-one conversation with him. Yeah. When you're in the public eye like that, I think that you just have to be really grateful people want to come and see you. Yeah. Yeah, I would be. And so I you're, not going to, be. you're not going to announce that, oh, this is what I'm known for, you know, when I've done so many other amazing things. <laughs> <laughs> But it is how I first knew him. I also saw him in a movie called Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks. Wow. If you are looking for just silly laughs, it's great. That's the one. Yeah. Not for kids. (laughs) Not a feminist film. (laughs) That's fine. Oh, God. The amount of non-feminist films I watch that are also not for kids. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) So I recommend it based on not having seen it in several years. So I don't remember if there's Mm -hmm. anything really awful that I shouldn't recommend. (laughs) But I I remember thinking, wow, this is something. But I was entertained. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. That's great. And it has an Oscar winner in it. (laughs) Before he was an Oscar winner. (laughs) Um, I was just about to start talking about Tom Hanks. It's not about Greece, too. So if you were going to encourage somebody who'd never seen this film to watch it, what would be your... how, How would you hook them into watching it? Well, I wouldn't recommend it to just anyone. It would have to be someone willing to look at it from the lens that we're trying to see that from a female perspective, how this is an empowering film. Because not all cinephiles are going to appreciate that element of it. That You know, they're going to look at the cinematography and just the bad audio all over the place. Like this first, maybe it's because I make films now. And so I'm looking at it going, oh, that wasn't even recorded at the same time. You know, <laughs> like you can just, you can hear the difference in audio quality. Mm. It's just so bad in some places. And that, but then there are other moments where I'm like, wow, that's a really tricky shot. Mm. And nobody is going to appreciate it. Where, you know, one guy is muscling this camera here, 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 here. It's this one take shot. Nobody appreciates it because they're too busy crapping all over this movie. Mm. Michelle Pfeiffer did her own stunts. She was on that bike. So that, you know, their little evening, their sunset drive Mm. when she took off with him and she moves over to the front of the motorcycle while it's driving. Mm -hmm. That's her. It's not him. It's not him, but it's her. That's amazing. But that's why we get to see her beautiful smile coming back at the camera. It's mm. wow. I I wouldn't do that. I, I don't trust anyone that much mm. to keep me from falling off that bike. Nope. She's I would so definitely recommend any Michelle Pfeiffer fans to watch this just to see that star quality, even with the material that she's given. She found a way to shine through all of it. Like she is a total diamond in this. That's what I was going to say. Uh, obviously, I was going to ask myself the same question. For me, it's about Michelle Pfeiffer and what she brings to this. You know, because as hot as Michael Carrington, Carrington is, what else has Maxwell Caulfield done? An Empire Records. He blames this film for ruining his career. Yes, well, I read it, that. It didn't ruin hers. Well, exactly. She just kept continued to rise and rise and rise. I think right. we know where the uh, where the star power was in this film. Yeah. Yeah. I was the same. I was, so I was thinking through that question to myself and I was thinking one for cool rider, which I know lots of people don't like, but it has been in my head ever since I haven't been able to <laughs> it going around just constantly. Um, uh, two for... I even wore this shirt cause it's close to her bowling shirt. <laughs> yeah. I thought that if I didn't want to say in case you were like, uh, no. Um... <laughs> but even in that scene, I mean, there, there are moments that are, People are not noticing the way they they designed her clothing to be a mm. little bit different than all the other pink ladies. Yes. They're all wearing the exact same shirt with little variations on that shirt. And she's wearing a bright red shirt with her bright red lipstick. And she is just better than they are. She is different than they are. She is other than they are, but in a good way, not yeah. ostracized. Yeah. She's just set apart in a good way. Yeah. 
and that's that's the other thing I was I would recommend I was thinking you know when my daughter she's only three so when she's a teenager you know and she's feeling a bit sort of like where is my life going what you know what is the point of being a teenager as you often get to you know I remember all those thoughts like everything's ridiculous I don't know what's happening I don't know what I'm going to do with my life I weirdly thought I would probably show her this film or just edited all of mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer just just like embodying that teenage girl on you know on the cusp of being a woman trying to figure out her life and to do something more with her life and, and I know that person. yeah so I know for some people would say you know it's I'm reaching I'm doing I'm doing a bit of a Tony and, and re- <laughs> reaching but actually I was sat there watching this and thinking that's a really powerful message and I I kind of want to take that on board now and I'm like 38 I was like you know I've, I've actually feeling really empowered by her and if I she doesn't need a man to define her no now she has an idea of what she wants in a mate she won't settle for less than that but if she doesn't have it she's okay yeah and she I wasn't thinking that as a teenager I was not thinking that as a teenager I was all hormones and like in love with my first proper boyfriend who you know great guy but my first teenage boyfriend you know we're all pleased I moved on from that you know raging raging hormones and it's like I wish I'd been more like her I wish I had understood more like she does that there's more out there there's more to be there's more to her and I just I think so I think that's really powerful I think teenage girls just for just for Michelle Pfeiffer amazing I think that's who I would who'd say like watch this just watch this don't worry about all the songs and all the other things just this is how you can feel empowered and feel like you can do more for yourself. Um, and yeah, and then, and then my third was just about female friendships. I think it's a great example of, I feel like I'm going to have to get somebody to edit together just like a really long film of just really great female friendships and just wonderful moments of them. So they were my, my three. Invite me to the screening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun trying to get permission to show them all. Um, but yeah, you know, I just think for me it was Cool Rider, um, Michelle Pfeiffer or, or Stephanie. I, just, I just prefer to Stephanie, really. Stephanie and female friendships. I think if anybody's interested in those things, this is a film to go and watch to really. And she doesn't start off at that level because at the very mm. beginning when she's starting to pull away, and she's starting to say, you know, I'm done with it. There's more to my life than making out. Like there's got, there has to be more to life than making out. Mm. But then she still changes into a skirt when she realizes I'm the only one wearing pants. Mm. So she changes herself at the beginning to fit in again. But eventually she's wearing the pants and she's distancing herself and they take away the pink lady jacket. And she's like, okay, fine. Yeah. I'm not a pink lady anymore. I love that. And I love I'm that not going to fight you on this because... Yeah this is what I want. And if you're trying to hurt me, okay. And in so many other films, the whole plot line would be about trying to get that jacket back. Like right. that would literally she, be the full she two She didn't hours. at all. Not, no. She didn't argue. She was just, okay, I accept this and I'm still going to be me. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Now at the beginning of this conversation, I said I was going to come out of this being like, yeah, the film's pretty rubbish, but I love it. And I think that's actually what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's something else we didn't discuss. You know how he has this whole secret identity because mm. he's he's moonlighting as the cool writer, but he's also Michael Carrington. And at the end, he unmasks himself 
just like a superhero. Yeah, so ridiculous. I loved it. She's been in love with both of them the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) But I do love that she says, I'm not disappointed. I get I get two for the price of one. Mm, Yeah, great line. Great line. And that is not something that would have happened in the first movie. No, not at all. And it would have been, she was, you know, I think she does have insecurities in this film, but at the end, it, it, you know, it'd be her riddled with insecurities and it's still him who's insecure about his position. And again, back in sort of the 80s, especially early 80s, I think that's incredibly rare in a film, let alone a film for teenagers or young women. He was just the, the catch for me. He knows Shakespeare. He knows grammar. He has the accent. He's tall and broody and handsome. Oh, and the one thing we didn't talk about is everyone wants a, a partner who looks at them the way he looked at her. Mm-hmm. The way he just looks adoringly. It wasn't creepy. It wasn't the creepy stalker yes. vibe. It was just the, wow, I just think she's fantastic. And she'll never know how much I think of her, that kind of thing. Yeah, you're right. It's a really good point about that. It's not a creepy stalker. So I think, you know, one of the worst things, especially with romantic comedy films, is women are taught that if a man continues to pursue you, then that's sexy, that's attractive. You know, that is what you should want. And actually, I mean, that's terrible. I mean, it has its moments. (laughs) I'll admit that I've written a few characters like that. But I'm not claiming that those are healthy. (laughs) I am Um, claiming that they're hot. (laughs) Each to their own. But Michael was hot and healthy. Well, that's the thing. You know, it, it defies that trope as well. That he's, he is he's clearly interested in her but at no point do I think he ever oversteps the mark at no yeah. point does he feel threatening you know, at no point is he the nice or guy either, or entitled exactly you know he just is like okay so it's going to have to be a motorcycle yeah. well I guess I'll put in the hours of yeah. effort to buy the motorcycle fix it up learn how to ride it like he put in effort this was a long-term goal it wasn't like and the next day he had a motorcycle yeah <laughs> yeah the the montage of him learning to ride I laughed out loud and I was like should I be laughing sorry from the at this film I don't know I am I won't and let just his smile me. when Frenchie's like is this for and he just turns around yeah. and smiles and you're just like oh <laughs> <laughs> I want to inspire a smile like that. (laughs) I'm sure you inspire many smiles like that. I appreciate you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Right, my voice is on its last legs. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? No, just thank you, Michelle Pfeiffer, for inspiring me all these years. Yeah. She's like, what an icon. Has not disappointed in any role. Oh, gosh, no. I mean... Catwoman. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely, I would say, definitely one of my sexual awakenings. Cat, um, Michelle Pfeiffer's That Catwoman. I felt like God was giving me a personal, I love you. He said, <laughs> I'm, I have your favorite actress in your favorite character role in your favorite outfit. <laughs> Actually, you would make an amazing Catwoman. Thank you. I think you've got, you've got like the perfect face for it you're so expressive and there is a certain face you have to have because of the way the mask is built 
Mm. which is why I wasn't excited about Anne Hathaway playing the role. It's like, she doesn't have the face for Catwoman. She, she has the body. She. she is an amazing actress, but she, mm. she has doe eyes. She's very pretty, but she has a doe-eyed face and she doesn't have that predator look to her. Yeah. But she was a really great Selena Kyle. Great Selena Kyle, I agree. But I, I, I 100% agree with everything. I've, I've got nothing to add about what you just said about Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. Done. <laughs> That's your Catwoman review. Right. I noticed these are the only two we discussed because they're the only two that exist until we see the next movie. That is all. I am so <laughs> glad Mike Burton is not here right now to bring up other things that did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right. So I guess with that, let's wrap it up. I have got more to say, but I actually don't think I can physically get it out. And we can always have another conversation about another film. And, uh, and talk more about awesome women in movies. That's, I'm going to go on mute and you can uh, talk about yourself and where everybody can find you. And I'll make sure I include links uh, in the show notes and we'll talk about it all on Twitter. And hopefully more people come to us and talk about Greece too. I'd love that. So I'll let yes. you go. <laughs> you can find me on my website, Ms. Tanya Todd, that's M-S-T-O-N-Y-A-T-O-D-D. I'm across social media at Ms. Tanya Todd. You can also find me on IMDb. And my podcast is the 52 Love Podcast. That's available on YouTube, Spotify, and all the other usual podcast places. Wonderful. You're so professional when you do that. I've talked about I stole before. that from Mike Burton. <laughs> <laughs> but I've talked about it before. Like I feel like you're such a contrast to me because I just say absolutely everything that comes in my head at 10 million miles an hour. And talking to you so soothing, you're so collected and, and you've got such a lovely voice, but it's like everything you say is like feels considered and thought through and intelligent. And, I, you know, just you just talking about... Oh, you're saying, I have you fooled. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it's working. Yeah. Good. I'm passing for human then? Great. <laughs> I'm just like, now I've got to follow up and I can never remember anything that I'm doing and I have to spell out my name and everything. Um, yes, yeah, so uh, that's where you can find Tonya. Go and... I love following you on Twitter. You're always saying interesting things. You're doing interesting things. You were at a book launch recently, weren't you? Or writers say it again. A book launch? No, I I had a short story that was in a book launch. Oh, so they wow. have a collection of short stories about love in the dunes, which is stories about Nevada and love. Mm. And I have a short story in there. And it's really I took a chapter from the novel that's on submission right now. Mm -hmm. And I plan, you know, originally I planned to cheat and just take this already love story in Las Vegas but I had to revise the beginning of it because you know this is in the middle of a book how are people going to understand the setup mm. but in doing so I kind of created a different story entire it was it's not a different story but it's it's not this is not in the book the characters are in the book but this is the lead up to the chapter now and the love that's in it is not what people expect. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's so exciting. And I'm getting really good feedback from it. Oh. So I'm very grateful to be included in the whole anthology. I can't wait until it goes on sale officially. There's a, an issue with the cover. So it's there's a delay in being mm. able to sell it. But I'm very proud to be included in it because they've done this for a few years. And, you know, I've attended these events going, oh, these are such amazing authors. And I'll, I'm one of them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 
passing I had those moments. in. Like they want me to be included with all of these fantastic people. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you. I love people succeeding. It makes me so happy. Um, anyway, what I thought was I was saying, you're saying follow you on Twitter. I love your content. I think it's always really interesting. You've always got something interesting to say. Um, 52 love. So you'll be pleased to know that after my mishap of downloading every single Comics Emotion podcast, uh, and then completely breaking all of my podcasts and then having to wipe them all off my phone. I've now started re-listening. Um, so I'm catching up. I say I'm catching up. There's a lot of episodes, but you know, <laughs> this time they don't disappear. Um, and it's such a wonderful podcast. I think it's, you talk about really interesting things. I love it when you have couples on and, and the dynamic between them. I just think there's something really special. And I don't think there's much out there like it, actually. Um, so I listen to a lot of podcasts I've never really listened listen to sort of relationship podcasts because I can find them a bit a bit twee or a bit cr- cringy and I don't I don't think that happens at all in yours I think it's very genuine and I just think you're talking to special people oh they're not well, everybody's special but you know what I mean I think you've curated your guests well that I think they all come on with something really interesting to say. I've been very blessed to meet a lot of really wonderful people in the different industries where I work. And I can't even take credit. Sometimes I'll think this person might like this and they'll come on the show and you find out they've been training for this particular tip (laughs) their entire lives. Like they were the perfect guest. I had no way of knowing. And please school me on the tip that I gave you. (laughs) Love it. It's it's just a really special podcast. So go and listen to that. Um, right. I said. And I on that note, that. you're going to be a guest on the podcast. Yes, I'm really looking forward to it. it involves being naked. And I love being. Naked. <laughs> so. Are you the perfect guest for that? <laughs> have you been preparing your whole life to be naked? <laughs> I, think I have. You sent it through, and I read the uh, the one about the like the relationship goals uh, type thing first, and I was like, yeah, all right. And then it got to the second one. It's like literally in like the first sentence, you're like. Naked, naked hugging. I was like, yep, that's the one for me. I don't need to read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, well, we'll talk about that. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so where can you find me? So obviously here at Femme on Film Pod um, and at Rhea Carrigan on Twitter. So it's R-I-A-C-A-R-R-O-G-A-N. Um, I'm also a pop gorilla, so you can go and see us there. So we'll all be in the show notes um and on comics in motion popping up with tony for indie comic spotlight so i'm everywhere at the moment because i don't have much of a life so i just keep on podcasting <laughs> lovely so thank you very much tony it's been so amazing talking to you i love it every single time that we do and thank you for bringing greece to back into my life i guess although i would say <laughs> this is you know, probably I'm going to say this is the first time because I have no memories of it from when I was younger. Thank you for be- being willing to try it again. <laughs> Do you know what? If you hadn't, I would never watch this again in my life, I don't think. I think there would have been no reason for me to. So that's what you've done. You've brought Cool Rider in. Yeah. And renewed your appreciation for Michelle Pfeiffer. There you go. I mean, that's always in the background, isn't it? Because she's... She's just amazing. (laughs) Wonderful. All right. So thank you very much. Smash the paint, (laughs) Jamaski.